0: From beanies to carry bags, and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The conversation
1: continues with James Freeman on
0: today's News
1: Talk, TNT Radio. Hello, and welcome to The Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament, and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty, and justice, definitely justice. It is Monday, the 4th of December, 2023, and welcome to a brand new week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are now in the run-up to the festive season. Putting People are putting up their lights and trees, if they haven't already. And on my street, some people have had them up since um, the start of November. Um Um, The winter solstice falls on the 22nd of December and once this day is reached we can celebrate that every day after that day will bring longer days and more light. But before we get caught up in looking forward to the festive season I have some very important work to do. In a moment I have an update on the New Zealand data and also what is going on with the police and the whistleblower um, at the moment. And following that, I'll be welcoming Tommy Robinson to the Freeman Report. As I said, in a moment, I'm going to tell you why I believe the New Zealand data is definitely um, um, genuine and that it does show what we're claiming it does. But first, um, I'm going to tell you about the week ahead because I've got another fantastic week of guests for you here on the Freeman Report. Um, tomorrow's show is going to be really interesting. As first up, I will be welcoming Lucy um, back um, from the Family Education Trust to talk about where we are in schools and the teaching of trans ideology. Following this, I'll be welcoming Brianna Ivy, a trans woman who is fiercely critical of the trans activist movement and of children being um, encouraged to get surgery and other treatments. Um, Brianna will be discussing the awful and terrible consequences for many of those children in later life who get surgery and take things like puberty blockers. Brianna has spoken publicly lots in the US and has recently appeared on Candice Owens podcast. Now, I really cannot wait for this show because I want to hear from trans people who disagree with what is going on in women's sport and spaces and the indoctrination of our children because I believe the whole issue has been hijacked by corporations and NGOs because let's face it trans people have been around for a long time it's not a new thing what's new is the insistence that the rest of us need to change our thinking about biological facts and accept that the ide- ideology is pushed onto our children this is the behavior of a cult and many of us including brianna um, want to defeat this evil on wednesday june slater will be joining me for our regular show today Um, june was on fire last week so definitely don't miss out on wednesday's show then on thursday i'll be welcoming back dale penny who i introduced to you all a couple of weeks ago when we discussed what life is like living with his autistic son Now that I've introduced Dale to you all, um, we'll be taking a selection of stories, um, topical stories, and discussing them live on the show. And if there is a particular story you would like us to discuss, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. On Friday, I'm going to try and get James Roguski on the show to talk about where we are with the World Health Organization, I see that several countries now have declared that they will not sign up to the new pandemic accord or update the international health regulations. So I'm super keen to get James on the show for an update. He is a leading expert on everything to do with the WHO. I've interviewed him in the past, but not since I've been on TNT radio. Now, the only snag is he's based in California so it'd be the middle of the night but James has insisted to me in the past that that doesn't matter so let's see what he says when I contact him later today right then uh, so that update on the New Zealand situation so here is the situation with the whistleblower um, who was in court yesterday I spoke on the telephone yesterday evening and this morning with those who've been working with him on the data and that were there in court. Um, Bail has been granted from 1 p.m. New Zealand time tomorrow. That's Tuesday. Um, The judge in the case considered the bail matter, argued by his lawyer, Matthew Haig, from Frontline Law, and also the opposition to bail, argued by the police. Um, The police have obtained a search warrant to access information stored on a cloud service, and it's believed bail has been granted from Tuesday to allow the police to complete the work of removing around a terabyte of information from the server. Bail conditions will include being unable to use electronic devices capable of accessing the Internet. And the charge relating to accessing government data without permission carries a maximum sentence of seven years. Once um, Barry Young, that's the whistleblower, um, has been bailed, he'll then be required to appear in court on the 18th of December, where he's expected to enter a plea. But now to the important part in this puzzle that Barry has given up everything um, to get out into the world. Does the data prove that the jabs are killing people? That's the question. Now, Steve Kirsch has released lots of analysis, as have others. I'm a former statistician. Well, I'm still a statistician, I guess, Um, even if I don't work as one now. um, I was head of the UK trade and business inflation at the Office for National Statistics, where I led teams that produced official statistics. And I think the answer to that vital question is staring us in the eye. I think Kirsch and others are making things far too complicated. And I'll tell you why. Liz Gunn talked about the largest cluster of deaths that they have identified from the data. 52 people who were all jabbed on the same day in the same location, who all then went on to die within months of each other. Those trying to undermine the data, the validity of the conclusions we're making online have implied that That if true, it must be a palliative care hospital or something of the like, a care home or something like that. Now, if that were true, then that's a fair point. But what if this wasn't anything of the sort? What then? What if that group of 52 people were a representation of a snapshot of the wider population, old and young people, not people in a care home or something similar? in this scenario the statistical probability of these people dying by chance within months of each other is astronomical it would be statistically significant to an extremely high degree what lay people would call a one in billion so an important part of the jigsaw puzzle has to do with the ages of those in the group of 52 people And as a result, I've requested three statistics from my contacts that I think will make things clear. One is the age range, i.e. how old is the youngest and the oldest person in the group. Now on this question, I already have it confirmed that children are contained within this group, but it will be good to get the precise range. The second and third statistics that I've requested about this group of 52 people are two types of averages, the mean and the median age of the group. For those of you who don't know, the median is the midpoint of the age range and the mean is the simple average. These statistics will tell us a lot about the distribution of ages within the group, which will go a long way to inform us if the people in this group are from a special population. A care home or something similar, or whether they are a snapshot of the wider New Zealand population who got the jab. If the age range is broad and the distribution of ages are spread across that range, then it makes it extremely difficult to say this was a special cohort of people. It would essentially mean that the argument then moves on to whether the data is real or not. And on that front, It is clear that the authorities believe the data is real. They've announced so on TV. So then we move on to the question of if they gerrymandered the figures. And my gut tells me this is unlikely because why would you go to the lengths, all the risks of stealing the data only then to make it up? My contact says the age range is broad and that there are children in it, but I'm waiting on these three statistics to confirm what he's told me, and I'm hoping I will have this for tomorrow's show. I believe the data is real and that it does provide the evidence that we think it does. So hold tight, folks, because this story has a long way to play out yet. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment
0: 24-7. I come to you for a fact. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Good morning, Gemsy. How are you doing?
2: <laughs> that's not my professional moniker, you know, Gemsy. That's that's family and friends only, that one. But as I said on Friday, <laughs> you can have it. You can have it, James.
1: I own it now, Gemma. Gemsy, sorry.
2: <laughs> uh, right, Gemma, Um,
1: what story have you got for me today?
2: Well, I mean, I've, you know, if we had the time, I would go into length with you about, you know, the very brave whistleblower and the data, you know, just talking about that cohort group that we hopefully will have the figures on TNT tomorrow to back up what so many of us already know about the excess deaths and the vaccine rollout and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, what you're talking about there is corroborative evidence. You know, if you've got a large number of people in the same place experiencing the same thing, in any other court of law, that's corroborative evidence. And you can see that the authorities in New Zealand are absolutely ricking it now with this one. And uh, it, it, it is real because they wouldn't have arrested him otherwise.
1: Exactly. And what we're doing is we're tightening that noose on them. There's several ways that you can undermine this whole thing. One is saying that the data isn't real. Well, we know some real data has been stolen. The other is that, yeah, whatever, statisticians, um, you've come to the wrong conclusions. There is no proof in the data. Well, this is why I'm focusing on this one bit of data, because the probabilities of that happening by chance are astronomical. So then if we can show that, then the whole argument comes down to, well, is the data that he shared with us the same data that New Zealand government have? And that then puts them on the spot. And and that will be then when we start asking that question of the New Zealand government. Um, but slowly, slowly picking away and tightening the noose on them.
2: Great. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I'll I'll, I'll come on to the story for today in just a second. But of course, if the New Zealand government is found to be misleading the population, then one government falls. It's the domino effect. Then the other governments around the world, similar questions will be asked. And you wonder if it takes one brave whistleblower for other brave whistleblowers to follow suit in other government departments around the world. You would hope so. At least you would hope so. However, the story today, well, as you... Yeah, exactly. Well, as you quite rightly said at the top of the show, uh, Christmas has kicked off. You know, it's the start of December, um, and I am bringing a Christmas story to the table, but it's one that uh, it raised my eyebrows when I saw this in the mainstream media this morning because of the of the dreaded words "new normal." Now we've heard that a lot over the last three and a half years. Now what the what this report predicts is that well, first of all, it's saying the cost of Christmas dinner is is rising exponentially, uh, but it's saying we should expect in supermarkets any supermarket chain, the big ones are here in the UK, that empty shelves will now be the new normal as we head into the winter months. Now, uh, Christmas dinner for many people, I think is going to be an extortionate affair this year because this report, which is out in the Grocer magazine, which is the leading uh, consumer magazine in the UK, but it's been picked up by many mainstream media outlets. It says that Christmas dinner is 60% more expensive than last year with families on average spending £600 more than they did this time last year for Christmas. Just for example, a kilogram of potatoes, which was £1.85 last year, has now risen to £2.95. That's a big jump if you've got a lot of mouths to feed. Mm. Carrots are up from 25 pence to 35 pence and sprouts a 12.5% increase. Now, they're saying it's a soaring production costs, bad weather, and they they try and put the words climate change in there um, and low supermarket returns. Um, but it is what's for certain with this, I think, is one, there's a lot of families in, in abject poverty and four million families in destitution here in the UK. So Christmas dinner's out of the question with those kind of costs. But once prices go up, generally, once supermarkets have put prices up, um, they don't tend to really come back down because historically supermarket profit margins are very low. So once you've got people paying prices and they get used to those prices, they tend to to kind of stay there but it's the it's the words new normal we should expect food shortages as the new normal this is out in a mainstream publication and in an industry publication and i rather wonder if you know powers from on high are prepping us for food shortages Uh, You know, it's kind of more desperate times ahead, not just yet, but that little drip, drip feel with has the kind of globalist feel about it of food shortages, the new normal, which we shouldn't be seeing in a country like Britain at all, but seem to be becoming creeping in and creeping in along with the cost of food going up. So when you have all of these problems with the food industry, you can then have the big billionaires come in and say, well, don't worry, we're going to change the way you eat. We'll look after your food for you. Then you won't have to worry about it. That's where this could be heading.
1: Yeah. And of course, Gemma, we know that they've been working on this for a while because I think it was early 2022. I think we had 22 instances of massive fires at food distribution um, centers across the US. We even saw one in Paris. I think there were two airplanes, separate incidents, where an airplane crashed into them. Um, You know, they've been working at this for some time. Um, on many fronts in terms of, and obviously, you know, we all know about the farmers in the Netherlands as well, which um, they're trying to close down and they're, they're going to try and do this all across Europe. So, um, yeah, they've been working on this a long time. So um, no surprise that they're now telling us there's going to be food shortages. Right, Gemma, I'm sure we'll talk about this more um, in the week ahead. um, But I do want to move on because um, I'm eager to get over to my guest today, um, Tommy Robinson, who sat here in, in the green room with us. So thank you very much, Gemma. And to the rest of you, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT
3: Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shemarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all, they just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium, gluten, me. And and I, if I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food, there's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like. And your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age.
0: Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio.
4: God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations, it transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one
3: has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home, that's 40... California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that-
0: stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence.
1: The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the
0: understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government.
2: <laughs> Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church.
4: The hypocrisy of letting people riot, it helped us all understand one thing,
0: this is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My Daddy.
1: When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state.
4: We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put
0: ourselves under the authority of the Word of God.
2: LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest.
0: We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down.
2: We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom.
4: As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards its totalitarian control has to increase you have to have a mask on and as they shut down any attacks against them this is not about freedom or personal choice the last thing standing is going to be the church
0: it's time to switch off today's news talk radio very entertaining tnt
1: Right. Well, I'm delighted um, to be um, announcing that I've, my next guest is Tommy Robinson. And Tommy was listening to the introduction. Um, he's requested that he can just say something um, about what I have just talked about in the introduction. Hello, Tommy. How are you doing? And What do you want to say?
5: I'm good. I just want to say how important it is for platforms like TNT, because to have these discussions, these discussions need to be had. The mainstream will never look at these numbers. They'll never look at these figures. They will be part of the cover up. So how important it is as well? Was it Barry Brown? people like that the only way you will ever get any of this out out into the open is when people are willing to take sacrifice if that man is willing to sacrifice seven years yeah hopefully he comes through it but if he's willing to sacrifice seven years if it all turns out to be legit then he's he's one of the first heroes who's done this So it is so important that there are platforms like this where people are willing to have open discussions to let the public be fully made aware because there's so much of this is hidden. It's hidden by the mainstream. It's hidden by everyone. We know the lengths they go to to hide it and to discredit anyone who talks about it. So um, yeah, that was all I was thinking as I was sitting listening to it. It is so important to have these sorts of shows where people are having these discussions. Yeah. and That's
1: a good point you've got there. You know, he, clearly knew the risks involved in this. I thought they had him in a safe house somewhere. The the police arrested him at his own house. So he knew the risks, which makes it even less likely, less likely that he's got the real data and then just made up the figures. It doesn't make any sense at all that he's
5: done that. So, if um, if If you look at Julian Assange, if you look at any other whistleblowers and you look at what they've done, they've done that to send a message to every other one of them. They've done that to scare the hell out of everyone. So he's fully would have assessed this and made the decision to still do it, knowing the full weight of the establishment's going to come at him. And if it does turn out to be legit, then he should be recognized as the hero that he is, willing to sacrifice yeah. that. And it's going to take people willing to do that.
1: Yeah. And you know, these cluster analyses, um, like I said, it's important that we an- answer that question to make sure that. It isn't some care hospital where people go to die or something like that, because clearly then that would undermine everything. So we're going to wait and see. But if it's not, then um, it's proof as far as I'm concerned. Right. Anyway, Tommy, let's um, let's dive for him. Um, I know most people will know who you are, but I wonder if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about Tommy. Um, what was it like growing up um, as Tommy Robinson? Um, and um, I guess... One of the questions I'd ask is, you know, who were your role models um, growing up?
5: So I grew up in Luton town. I'm from a working class background. I'm a normal average lad growing up in a town like that. Luton is 30 miles north of London. When I was born in 1982, we had one mosque. We now have 45. I'd seen the town change. Most people will know me. I started my activism in 2009 after watching years of failures, failures by government, failures by police to address or even discuss some of the problems that we saw. These are problems that come from open border immigration, from Islamic immigration. Um, Again, I'll make the point very clear to everyone. Some of the best people that I've ever met in my life growing up are Muslim. Some of the people I love are Muslim. That does not change the fact that there's a problem here. I've seen the problem in Luton. There's a problem of non-assimilation, of integration, of hostility of violence, of rape gangs, of terrorism, all these things. So they have to be spoken about. But I've seen the unwillingness to talk about them. In 2009 was the final straw for me when a soldier's homecoming parade was attacked by a radical radical group of Islamic extremists who went under the banner of al-Majradi. They're now a prescribed terrorist organisation. But for decades before that, they were allowed in my town to have their head office Omar Bakri, Abu Hamza, some of the world's most famous terrorists, were based in my town, radicalising the next generation of Muslim youth against us and unchallenged. So in 2009, I formed an organisation called the English Defence League. We travelled the UK in 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 a, I guess, people would see in an aggressive manner. We went from city to city, thousands of young men demanding action, screaming from the tops of our voices I always say that each time I went onto the street, it was a cry for help, a cry for help, which many people now know that young girls in their thousands or hundreds of thousands were being kidnapped, taken and raped. And it was being facilitated and covered up by politicians, police leaders. So we went across the country. Um, I'd done that until 2015. I, in this, When I got to 2015, I thought we'd taken street protests as far as it needed to go. A lot of the issues which were hidden were then being spoken about. I then wanted to make sure that the public... And I thank Ezra Levant from Rebel Media for this. I want to thank, wanted to make sure the public saw what I saw, that they knew what I knew, that they, they could see the experiences I'd experienced. And I decided journalism was a better, a better path for me. And I started making videos, going onto the street, making documentaries and trying to challenge people and make them think and understand what was happening in many towns and cities. It might not be happening in their town and city, but they need to understand in towns like Luton, in Birmingham, in Bradford, in East London. There's real problems here and they're coming to your town soon. So oh, that's, that's like a little quick um, description of my path. I then become a journalist. I've been cancelled, silenced, attacked, terrorist threats, terror threats, terror plots, imprisoned. Where do we start?
1: Fantastic, thank you. I think that's a good um, introduction, um, Tommy. Um, role models? Have you? Was there anyone particular when you were growing up? Anybody that you've um, looked up to, and and that you know has been your sort of idol or role model that you've sort of that have uh, influenced you?
5: Um, when I was growing up, it's going to be different to when I started my activism. So when I was growing up, it would just be I, I was football crazy. My dad would have been a role model. He's a hardworking man, family man. Um, I also would have had role models within the football element of Luton. I aspired growing up. Lots of my family were involved in uh, in the football scene. When I say football scene, it's a football hooligan scene. Um, so as a youngster, I was growing up listening and aspiring to that. And that was an influence on my life. But, but then from at the start of my activism, Gert Wilders um, would have been a... I looked to him when I started receiving threats to my life, dangers to my life. I learned a lot from listening to him. I saw his courage. I saw that he would never back down. I understood the level of threat. Five different countries gave him fatwas, and he still continued. So I guess I, I looked and learned and took inspiration from from that. I'd listened to Bridget Gabriel, that I'm on about my early activism. I've listened who who escaped Lebanon and talked about what happened when Lebanon accepted his Islamic immigration. And then when they launched their jihad and then eventually took over the country, she talks about her experience. I learned a lot from listening to her. Um, I learned a lot from listening to Pamela Geller from from Robert Spencer in my early activism. To understand Islam, mm-hmm. to learn about Islam, to research it, um, they would then become inspirations for me, people I idolised and looked up to at the time.
1: And of course, Goethe Wilders, he's um, just um, won the the elections in the Netherlands. So he is the man of the moment at the moment. Right, um, Tommy, we're going to just take a quick break now for the news headlines. When we come back, I want to dive straight into what happened just over a week ago and the treatment um, that was put upon you by the Met Police. So we'll get into the detail of that and what you think about the way that they've treated you. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio.
4: We interrupt this program.
0: Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge huge news. Huge, 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 huge news. You need to listen to this. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt
1: Holland here with a look at your TNT headlines. After months of denial, Ukraine's president has admitted for the first time that his country's six-month-long counteroffensive was a flop and he's blaming the West. The mother of a black teenager who brutally beat his female teacher unconscious at a high school in the U.S. is now pleading for the victim to show mercy on her son because he's had a hard life. And Washington says it had no advanced knowledge of Hamas's October
0: 7 attack on Israel. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download.
1: Keeping you up
0: to speed on TNT Radio.
1: Right. Now, Tommy, um, I've seen the videos or some of them, at least, of what happened in London. And I have to say, you've caught the attention of people all around the world, uh, people that I wouldn't have expected to come out and sort of say um, and support you in terms or show sympathy for you in terms of how you be treating treated. But um, tell us the story from your own, in your own words. What happened?
5: Um I went down to report. So I've seen a lot of people who have defended me, but then also called into question the fact that I'm a journalist. I've made six feature feature length investigative documentaries in the last 24 months. I have gone from from, to, from Poland to, and the, the importance of it. I went to Poland to cover their Independence Day rally, where the BBC said 60,000 Nazis marched. A t- Total lie. Yeah, the nationalism was on the rise, and they come under attack. I went to show the true, reflective of, of the people there. I'd done the same when the football Lots, football lads alliance, sprung up in two thousand and sixteen. I thought it was important to go past the media's bias on it and show people the people that were on the ground. They're not far right. They're not all hooligans. They're here. They're concerned. So I've done that continuously. I've been to pro EU rallies. I've never had a problem. Yeah, I've been all over. So with this anti Semitism march, I come as a journalist to put together a video interviewing people, asking them how they felt about the police failures, about the spread of extremism, about the the hate that we'd seen for four weeks unchallenged. So I went to sort of put together a piece to see how the public felt, what drew them there. And I'd I'd done that from the minute I got there. I sat in a cafe and an eight-year-old woman uh, come up to me and I interviewed her. She travelled there on her own. She felt it was important. She was disgusted by what was happening. Lots of different people. But very early on, the police come into the cafe I was in. I was sitting, having a breakfast and very abruptly, the, the attitude of him as well was, right, you're going to leave London. So what, what are you talking about? Like, I'm here at work. Like You're going to leave London or we'll force you to leave London. I said, mate, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I haven't. I said, what's, what under what law are you using for this? He said, your presence will cause alarm and distress. Now this hasn't ha- this isn't the first time. There's far more shocking videos than what you've seen this weekend. This this last weekend caught the pu- caught the public's attention. I had this in Cambridge. I was in Cambridge with my children, and the police come into the pub when I was with my children, and said you need to leave the city. I said why would I need to leave the city? Your presence can cause a a, a problem. And uh, and they frog marched me and my children. My children were screaming hysterically, and they videoed us as they made forcefully made us ejected us from the city of Cambridge. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. So this, and I've just put up a video where I interviewed a 70 year old gentleman this week. This isn't just happening to me. People need to understand that. Yeah. These abusive powers are being laid out now across this nation. Yeah. It, it's, it's me today, it's you tomorrow. And, and, and when they come in, sort of like they told me to leave, and I said, I'm here to do my job. Like you may, may, may want to take my freedoms. I'm not going to surrender them to you. So you will have to take them. So I, I sat there and then I come out from the cafe attempting to do my job, at which point I was surrounded by. Well, it seems like thirty or forty police officers. Um, I was attacked. I was manhandled and attacked, and dragged through the streets. And
1: uh, yeah, yeah, and and, and, and Tommy, uh, I think yeah, absolutely. I think I think everybody who's seen that thinks that absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. You, you were treated wrongly by the Met, and they've overplayed their hand. And what kind of world do we live in, where actually just being somewhere. Is not allowed um you know just because of because you might cause distress to people that's ridiculous now i've i, I don't want to name any names here right but um i think we've identified all the a person who's alleged to have gone to the police It's one of the organizers like i said i don't want to mention any names um um they um they've been identified but why do you think they would do that why do you think they would go to the police the organizers and say we don't want tommy robinson there try to put yourself in there is what why do you think that is tommy
5: um i believe they're cowards in fact they were trying to push and make sure everyone knew we don't this isn't about us supporting israel yeah don't be cowards you do support israel be honest yeah? that's what that, that's what i was saying and i think that many members of the british establishment were there and it would have been difficult and embarrassing for them. They've tried to paint me as a hate figure. They've tried to turn the public against me for over a decade. Yeah? And I was warmly received and I would have been very warmly received by the audience there. i They don't want me mainstreamed. They can't allow that. So that's what I think it was about. Not just that. I think that they used this opportunity, the police did, in order to give me the unlawful bail conditions which I now have. I'm not allowed into London. I've had to turn down three different interviews this week. I'm not allowed inside the M25. I'm also not allowed to, and and this is nothing new. They've done this since 2009. They've fabricated charges, and then they use use bail conditions from the courts to control your activism and where you can and can't go. I'm not allowed inside the M25. I'm not allowed to participate or organise a demonstration. Why? I didn't do anything wrong. So I, I think I'll be in court Wednesday or Monday to challenge these conditions which limit my freedom of speech they limit, limit my freedom of assembly. That's what I think it was about that become apparent when I got bailed for the. And the mad thing is, you know, I think you've watched, I've been charged. They're trying to send me a jail for it. I'm, I'm going to face trial. Like they haven't held their hands up and said, look, the world seemed we were wrong. Yeah. They've doubled down and they do this continuously. I, when you read my convictions, I've never been convicted by a jury. I'll be before a judge again.
1: Yeah. Now, Tommy, I I did see a video and I I thought this was really interesting. Um, When you came out of the police station after um, I think it was 24 hours or whatever it was, you said that the police in the station were actually great. Um, And you kind of, I got the impression that maybe the police in the station actually was sympathetic to you and how you've been treated. Tell us a little bit more about that.
5: So they attempted to the charging officers attempted to remand me. They were remanding me to jail, Yeah. and the two sergeants went. So when I spoke to my lawyer, she said they're 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 going to remand you. Yeah, we're of the opinion it's way over the top. The, luckily for you, the custody sergeants are of that opinion. I've just spoke to them as well. So I then come out to get charged, where I believe I'm getting remanded, and when I get charged, the two custody sergeants, which I guess they've, I guess they've done this together, because they both stood up and said, "Tommy, we're going to be in problem. We're probably going to be having problems from up there." Yeah. We've looked at this for what it is. They want you remanded, we've refused. Okay, we have the power to do that as custody sergeants who are charging you. So we're not going to remand you, we're going to bail you. But the argument to bail you and not remand you is that you're going to be under these conditions. You can't end the M25, you can't do this, you can't do that. If it wasn't Christmas, if I'm totally honest, James, if it wasn't Christmas, and I've got three kids who have been put through enough, I would have refused the bail conditions. I'd have said, no, I'm I'm not having bail conditions when I've done nothing wrong. I'm, under, I'm the victim here. Now you're limiting my freedoms. And that limiting my freedoms limits my work. I do work as a... Uh, I'm, I'm supposed to be uh, debating such two or three different events in London next week, which I now can't attend.
1: Yeah. Now, the reason I asked that, Tommy, is because for me, that kind of almost suggests that there is a difference between rank-and-file police officers and then the politicisation of the Met. So I guess... Who do you think, um, because obviously, you know, um, doing that to you, 20 officers in full view of all the cameras, that would have been a high ranking official, um, either within the police or it may have even been a politician. Do you have any thoughts on who it is or how, where, who may have signed off on all of that?
5: The high ranking police officers are politicians. That's who they are. Yeah, they are politicians, whether we like or not. They're so politicized. The average file and rank police officer. So I can explain to people because I don't want people ended up hating the police because the average police officer, even when they've done that to my children in Cambridge, when I brought my children to the next Luton game, All the Luton police come over and they made an exceptional effort to make my children feel comfortable because my daughter was only four. She was then terrified from the police. They made an exceptional effort. And everywhere I've been. So even when I was arrested this time, once I got to the police station, they were 100 percent. I had two Muslim officers who were wonderful to me the whole entire time. Yeah, All of them were very pleasant. And I can say that time and time again. Each time I've been arrested, I'm I'm angry. But the actual individual officers have always been 100 percent. They've seen 100% sound. Now, I believe this was political. Um, I've called out Mark Rowley. Mark Rowley is a woke, politicized police officer who's in charge. Someone, Someone has to be held responsible. The entire British public have now lost faith in the in the police force. It has been made to the, for the world to see. They got rid of swella Braverman for mentioning it. But the entire world now knows we have a two-tier policing system. Someone has to be held accountable for that. When, when the public lose faith in the police, we're going down a dangerous path. And, and everyone's been yeah. able to see it. So I think it's Sadiq Khan. I think it's Mark Rowley.
1: Yeah, and I would agree with you in terms of the politicisation of the police um, and um, and the abuse of laws more generally by our politicians and the police. Now, I'm going to put my devil's advocate hat, hat on here, Tommy, and kind of, you know, I think you must accept that you're a controversial figure. I mean, you you mentioned um, when we were talking, um, when you were talking about growing up, that, you know, you grew up within the football hooligan um, sort of community. Do you accept that that maybe it's why it's so easy for them to get away with doing this, is because you have a persona that comes with violence? I mean, look, I, I I'm happy to say that um I based upon what I've seen the videos um, where you know there's violence going on that I've been wary in the past, but I don't make judgments based upon everything mainstream media, and that's why you're on the show today. But do you accept that that makes their job easier because? Of, of, of some of the things that you've been caught on video doing before?
5: I do accept that. And any of the fights I've had where I'm on video, I'm defending myself. I don't go out. I'm not a violent person. I don't want violence. It's in the sense of when I was younger, I'm talking about the man you are when you're, when you're 18 years old is a very different man than I am now. I'm a father of three. I've got my eldest child 16. So that that is not who I am now. But that was as a youngster. But it was also that upbringing that meant that when someone did want to attack me, I didn't run. It's also that upbringing that meant I've been able to stand here for 13, 14 years, be, be in prison, be violently attacked, have threats to kill me and murder me. And I've still continued standing. It was never going to be female school teachers or nurses that ended up taking on the bat and to take on and highlight the problems around extremist Islam and terrorism and jihad. It was never going to be that. So hey, people, I take the good with the bad. I've never claimed to be sitting here polishing my halo. I've said that. Everyone makes mistakes in their life. Um, But... That's the police should enforce the law equally across all communities and everybody. If I if I now have conditions, I can't enter the M25 and I can't enter London. But his butt to here who are calling for Muslim armies and standing calling for jihad, don't have them. 40,000 Muslims on a terror watch list don't have these conditions. People who are inciting hatred and calling for gas of the Jews don't have these conditions. They they, they, they climb up our monuments and then they're given a pat on the back by the police or they said, please, can you come down from there? And then the world has seen the treatment I received. They, they CS gasped me in my eyes, was my hands were held behind my back when I wasn't resisting arrest. And it's clear I wasn't resisting arrest because I would have been arrested and charged for resisting arrest, which I haven't been. So I do accept that at times my accent, the way I walk, the way I talk, my background makes it easy. We do live in a classist country as well with a classist system. And they despise someone from my background, I'd say, who can articulate the argument. They're used to mocking people. I, I have to sit and listen on radio stations throughout the years where when someone working class com- comes on the radio and they try to articulate that why they're angry, they're belittled and they're mugged off. Yeah, Just because the person cannot articulate. And I've I listened, getting so furious, because I think that person there is the person whose family are affected by these problems. Your open border immigration policy is, is affecting them just because they can't articulate it. They haven't been to a private school. They're not that great educated. They're belittled like they don't matter. So I think that when I come along and I manage to articulate it, and, but I'm from the same background and I do represent those, those people or give a voice to them. It's a voice that the, that the establishment don't want. It's a voice they want to beat down.
1: Yeah, and I have to give it to you, Tommy, you have been at the forefront of real things that have been happening, the grooming gangs and all of that, really serious stuff, and there's not many journalists who've covered it. So um, definitely um, give you that. Now, Tommy, the reason I wanted to ask you about all of that and – I guess, and the next topic. The reason we're going to talk about that is because you are very, very influential. You not just influential, but you're actually a motivator. People listen to you, and when Tommy says, "Right, we need to go to London to do, or we need to do this or that," thousands of people do it. So, I want to talk after the, this next break about, uh, <laughs> or they hate you, you yes. Um, that's why they but hate yeah well exactly yeah that's why they hate you yeah um, but I want to talk about COVID and stuff I see that you um, I was quite surprised over the weekend when I was doing a bit of research to find out that John Campbell um, the nurse has been on your show he's been on the show here um, so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about COVID what's gone on over the past couple of years and also the people that follow you I'd like to understand a little bit more about them do they know what's taken place over the past few years and are they is it on their radar all of this stuff to do with the who the fact that they're trying to do a power grab over our governments at the moment so that the who an unelected body will be able to mandate medicines lockdowns and all this sort of thing because i think that your voice and the people that you speak to uh, could be incredibly important um, going forward. Um, So don't go anywhere, Tommy. I've got more questions for you. Stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing
0: weather with reality and perspective.
1: Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala
4: Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi, or whatever, for COP28 in Joe's place, with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is, and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left, and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that those 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to... be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi because it's the only weather you got.
1: Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything, giving you medical help, and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist, because the sooner you know, the more you can do.
0: The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Certainly is the Freeman Report, and I am James Freeman, and my guest today is Tommy Robinson. Now, Tommy, as I said um before the break there, I think that, you know, my sort of mission as a journalist and and um over the past three years and as an activist has definitely been around the jabs. Um, you know, a lot of my work has been um with vaccine injured people and, and all of that, and also the political situation because I did I was a, an MEP, I'm a former politician. Um, and there are really worrying things up front. Now I agree with you that immigration is a problem. It has been a problem. It's got out of control. Um, you know, just the latest figures, the fact that we've Brexited and millions of people voted for Brexit based upon having fewer people coming into the country. And yet the latest figures show we've had the, the most amount ever within a year, three quarters of a million new people. So I get it. I get that. But what I want to um sort of dig down into a little bit is how aware are you of these other issues the fact that you know my opinion is that these jabs are a bioweapon that they've been injuring and killing people and that there is a political movement um, a globalist one um a front that is basically trying to take away our sovereignty and our ability as citizens to decide what goes into our body and whether we're even allowed out of our house so i'd be interested like i said it it was a an interesting thing to see john campbell had been on your show so tommy what, what What's your kind of understanding of what's gone on over the past three years?
5: Um, that this issue you're talking about is far more important than the issues I talk about. This is the most important issue of our generation, of our lifetime, um, what they've been allowed to do, how they've done it and what's happened. Now, when I when this first started at the start, I watched, I was very passionate against the vaccine, against the mandates, against the lockdown, against all of it. But I didn't want to be the, the weapon that the media would use to discredit the people who were rallying against it so I stayed out yeah because unfortunately if I would have turned up the first rallies and the freedom rallies it's then labeled and, and and attacked as far right yeah and I didn't want to give them that ammunition so I sat back and I watched and they were attacked as far right anyway yeah. They were given the the same weapons that are used to silence us. were were, were done anyway. Yeah. So I, I watched. I watched as brave people come out. Now the point I make about the attack by the establishment on me, it's because I can galvanise people and put people on the street. Now that's over the issues I talk about. Anyone who can do that, you might be an animal rights activist. You might be a, a pro freedom anti lockdown activist. They will go for you. You might whatever it is. If they need to control the narrative, if you get in the way of that narrative, they're coming. Yeah, they're coming for your banks. They're coming for your your livelihood. They're they're going to demonise you, slander you. Look what they've done to K. All of these attacks come. They'll use the media as a weapon to destroy you. So people need to get past thinking and celebrating. Well, Tommy Robinson got cancelled. Tommy Robinson's under attack. It's not about me. Yeah, you go against their narrative, and you might find yourself on the right time, right side of free speech at the minute. But as we see, the goalposts continue to shift. They used to people celebrated us getting cancelled because we were talking about uh, open border immigration or Islam. Then they started cancelling doctors, nurses, scientists. So my, my view is I'm very I'm very aware of what's gone on. Um, I feel passionately about it. I've said from day dot, I make sure my children know and their school knew. No, no, no vaccines, no masks. You're not putting a mask on my child. Anyway, I think that the public just needed to say no early, and we wouldn't have continued this mess of a situation. But I've recently tried to uh, uh, make aware my followers by, I sat down with Dr. David Martin, Dr. Dolores Carhill. Do you know, when all this started, at the start of this COVID, I went for a meeting with Dr. Dolores Carhill, yeah? I contacted her because I want to know what's going on. So, and if I'm gonna talk about it, I wanna know what I'm talking about. And when I went with her, she sat me down and she told me everything which has come into fruition, yeah? I left thinking, really? Can I believe this? Is, it, is this that unbelievable? And unfortunately, I I don't think I bought 100% what she was saying, or even that. I was probably a bit, too, I think it's too startling. It's too much of a, it's too insane what they've done, but it's been proven what they've done. The figures are now coming out. Everyone's aware, sudden death syndrome, all of this nonsense. And then they're talking about, blame it on climate change, or global warming, but the death rate, um, I think this is the most important discussion. I, I applaud everyone who's took the role around the globe. I sat down with Chris Skye. I think anyone who's who's fearlessly gone against it because big tech, big pharma, it's all one gang. Their job is to crucify and attack and destroy their profitable businesses. They don't want us well. They want us ill. This I believe you to say is a bioweapon. Dr. David Martin uh, described uh, in the best speech I've ever seen was when he spoke in the European Union. I then sat down with him for, for a podcast and it was one of the most inlight. I thought I knew everything until I sat down with David Martin. And then I sat down with Kate. I sat down with um, Dolores Carhill. I sat down with lots of different people, uh, John Campbell. I thought it was brilliant with John Campbell, because he was previously pro vaccine and previously defending it. And then he had the, he had his awakening moment. So, yeah, I'm aware I also was very careful when I wrote my book, Silenced, because I was also aware that many of the people who follow me probably ha- are vaccinated, so uh, uh, you don't want to alienate them or attack them. You need them to see what's happened in a way that brings them on side because so many people who have bought this bullshit, then do not want to accept it, so they're defensive against it. Whereas, if you, yeah, so I, I was very careful when I wrote my book because I didn't yeah, want to no, no,
1: yeah, no, Johnny, uh, uh Tommy, sorry, <laughs> um, what? Tommy, um. One of the things that's happening, I'm noticing it. I've had conversations over the fence with neighbours, people who I would describe, not in a a derogatory way, but normies, people who've got no idea. They're not tuned into the alternative media. They watch the BBC. But I've noticed, and lots of other people have, that there's a whispering going around, that people are starting to ask questions. People who have been ill constantly over the past two years, and they're saying, God knows what was in that injection and they really don't know. You you are you you know your 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 following is in within the working class probably I would suggest um, that would be make up the biggest um sort of group of your followers. Are you hearing that people are starting to realize that something's up?
5: They're not just hearing it they're seeing it. Everyone knows someone who's been devastatingly injured from the vaccine. Everyone. I I, I just said this um I have a friend called Donna who's within our movement and she is she is ruined from the vaccine and they're accepting it's the vaccine. She's ruined. And then when I, I got a, I got a lift off my ex-wife uh, yesterday and I was talking about Donna, she said that that's exactly the same as the lady at Spencer's Boxing Club. So another lady at Spencer's Boxing Club. So it's not about them hearing it anymore. People are seeing, people are knowing people, knowing people that died, knowing people who, everyone's ill. Everyone who got the vaccine is getting ill and, and people are actually seeing it. So I, I'm aware of the, the discussions that go on, um, I think you'll still have those who still want to believe. But even that that's thinning. Their lies are becoming exposed and people can genuinely see it. So that that's what I'd say. It's not it's not even about the discussions. The discussions are important. If you're bringing on vaccine people and you're given a platform and you're these, these discussions are so important because the mainstream aren't. Where, 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 where's the discussions being had by them? And look at look at the sellouts in, in, in our political parties. When Andrew Bridgen's trying to talk about it, there's no one else there.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, so, yeah. and he's in Parliament today with a lot of the world experts, David,
5: and, David and in I
1: can guarantee it. Just no no MPs will show up, or if they do, it'll be one or two, which is an absolute should, disgrace. Should, so Tommy, show us
5: all. It should show us all. It should show us all. Yes, it should, exactly. Say all. Like, look, they don't care. Look at this is the biggest yeah. crime in human, against humanity. This is the biggest crime. I always I talk about terrorism. I talk about these. And when I look at the figures of people who have been injured and killed, it's an absolute liberty what they've been allowed to do. People have to be held accountable for this. But yeah.
1: Now, Toby, the only reason I'm stopping you there is because sadly we have run out of time. But listen, it feels like we've only done part of a conversation here. So I'd love to get you back on if you're you're up for it um, at some point time, James. soon. Um I did say to you at the start um, that I would leave a couple of minutes at the end. Um, Obviously, you've got a book out. Tell us about the book, Tommy.
5: This is Enemy of the State. This is my first book. This is my second book. Um, This one's banned from Amazon, ironically called Silenced. You can buy Hitler's book on Amazon. You can't buy mine. Mad. Mad. This one tells my life story. So rather than reading and believing the media who I am, you can see who I am. I'm a normal lad from a normal town with normal problems. Um, This tells my life story. And then this talks about big tech censorship, government interference, and how they will destroy you. They're not happy with just censoring you. They have to destroy you. Reason being, they want to set an example to anyone else who thinks they're going to stand up. You can get these at trsilence.com. Um Christmas is coming, so I don't care if I'm grifting. That's what everyone says. You're grifting. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas in four weeks. No, fantastic.
1: To and listen, <laughs> listen, Tommy, I'm I'm pleased that we had the conversation we did and you recognize that why so many people are very very aware of you because they've seen these videos and obviously what the mainstream media i agree with you that they've told a lot of lies but there is obviously that those videos and stuff so i think and, and you know and you say that you've kind of you're that's not who you are now and i'm pleased to hear it because you do have a lot of influence i think over a lot of people and um i think you could be incredibly important on a lot of these issues which are really like you said the most important issue to everybody right now um Thank you so much for joining me today, Thanks, Tommy. Man. I really do hope you'll come back again soon. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Robinson. Thanks, right, same, same okay. Uh, thank you, Tommy. Um, make sure you tune in to tomorrow's show because I'm hoping I will have those statistics um, on that group of 52 people who died, which should help us piece the Jigsaw puzzle together further. So join me tomorrow and don't go anywhere now. Stay with us on TNT Radio.